welcome to episode four of the Balanced Bay podcast. I'm your host, Ali Gonino, and I'm really excited to talk to one of my good friends today, Carrie Bethan, who is a meditation coach, a Reiki therapist, an actress, and just all around cheerful human being. Um, it took us a minute to get this audio set up. I'm still learning how to podcast and do all of the things, but we're still pressing forward and making great content for you. So thank you for listening and let's dive in. So Carrie, first of all, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Is this your first podcast? Have you done other podcasts? Um, I think this is my second. Yes. Cool. (laughs) Um, it's kind of, it's a little weird, right? With like all the everything. I know the the setup. Yeah. Um, it's not like a normal conversation, (laughs) but it kind of is. Um, so, uh, how long have you been teaching meditation? I've been teaching for, oh gosh, I lose track of time Two, maybe three years, um, through a studio. Uh, yeah, it's about three years now. Okay. And, um, uh, did you have to go through any sort of official training to be able to teach? Um, I've been a practitioner myself for like over a decade. Um, and I then wanted to just share the tools that I was already kind of naturally sharing with people. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did take my 400 hour teacher training. Um, and then from that it led into teaching and it was never really, I never intended it to be something that was as full time as it is now, but it's just grown and, um, yeah, I think I sort of really tapped into my purpose through doing the training and it's just organically moved in the right direction. Amazing. Yeah. 400 hours. Yes, it's intense. That's (laughs) because just for the first round of yoga teacher training, you only have to do 200 hours Mm -hmm. and that was a lot. It felt like a lot. Yeah. Um, Wow. I didn't even know that there was 400 hours of material to teach about meditation. And that was just scratching the surface, to be honest with you. And since then I've taken additional trainings and sort of fine-tuned and done different certifications in different areas. But that was sort of an overall um, introduction, really, into mindfulness. And then we also learned a little bit about tantra meditation as well. But I Mm -hmm. teach mindfulness now. That was sort of what I was already practicing. And it's just what really resonated with me. What um, can you give us like the cliff note version of what mindfulness yes. meditation is? What it is, yeah. So the, the the definition that I always tell people, like the overarching definition, is simply to pay attention to the present moment on purpose and with a kind and non-judgmental curiosity. Mm. So essentially, it's the practice of present moment awareness, mm-hmm. and then within that, we have additional. Um, tools and practices that we can bring in such as compassion loving kindness joy and equanimity the the practices of the heart um which can help us with deeper healing and bringing us a little bit more peace but initially we're just coming into the present moment because that's that's where life happens it is yeah. <laughs> life literally doesn't ever happen anywhere else No, but we live so much either in the past or in the future like our mind is just split mm-hmm. so we're we're never once you start practicing you realize oh gosh i'm i'm either thinking about something that's already happened or I'm worrying about something that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a real training to be fully present. And that's what mindfulness is. It's not just um, the meditation and formally practicing on the cushion. Mm-hmm. It's a day-to-day, moment-to-moment, breath-by-breath practice. Well, that was going to be my next question is how <laughs> would we apply that to 
like for example, there's a lot of um, social mm. um, upheaval right now, mm-hmm. and how you know is is it? Uh, and this is like a whole maybe a whole other episode, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I feel like you know a lot of uh, people are grabbing for their phones mm-hmm. to like capture every moment, mm-hmm. and. I don't know. I feel like now, because I've been following a lot of um, just everything that's been unfolding, uh, watching videos on Instagram and and honestly, like trying to keep an open mind and consider many different perspectives mm. because I don't I don't think we're going to get anywhere by just like being angry at each other and being like, mm-hmm. you're the one to blame. Mm-hmm. Where do we get with that? Totally. Um, so like what? What what would you say to our how how are we approach how we are approaching the uh, I don't even know how to ask the question. Um, what would you say to how we are approaching the the issues at hand? Like, do you think it's it's good that we're like putting everybody on blast, or do you think it's counterproductive because that's not really being in like present moment awareness? Yeah. Um and like not putting a gun to your head. This is a conversation. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously, this is just my opinion. I, I definitely don't think that um, judging other people is the way to do things um, and shaming people. If you're, if you, if you do, if you, I, I saw someone that if you sort of judge and shame people into action, um, all you get is acting. Mm. But if you can really encourage people and lead by example to change, then you mm. get lasting change. Right. And I think that in order to shift the outer consciousness of everything that's happening in the world, you have to shift your inner consciousness. Yeah. So for me, um, whenever I, I see these difficulties and I feel unsure about how to meet what's happening in the outer world, I go inwards. I sit with myself and I try and see like, okay, how am I showing up in the world? And I notice when my resistance is coming up and when my judgment is arising and that's always an opportunity for me to get curious and to really dive inwards and see what that, what's really going on for me. Mm. Um, because all that we really are seeing is an expression of our own sort of view and our own opinions. Mm-hmm. So it's taking accountability. Um, so I don't necessarily agree with the judgment and the shaming. Um, and I think that everybody has their important part to play in everything that's going on in the world. I believe that we do pe- need the people that are constantly on social media. We do need people that are being more quiet and going inwards. We do need people reading the books. We we need everybody. And I think that it's finding your way that is most authentic to you and showing up from that place. And I think that that is something that meditation, specifically mindfulness, has allowed me to do is tap into my authenticity and find comfort in resting there, Mm. not thinking that I have to be a certain way. See, that's kind of the thing that I've struggled with the most Mm. is feeling like I have to respond immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to, you know, choose a side and empathize with that side. And it, it... and I don't know if it's because it's just a response to literally the energy itself. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because all of this feels so life or death. I mean, and in, in many cases, it literally is. Mm-hmm. Um, but just that energy of, like, feeling like I have to, mm. you know. And, and I stand by my perspective a lot. But at the same time, like, I, through meditation practice, like, I do realize that like oh like this is neutral like your heart is neutral Mm. most of the time Mm. 
um, even though you can empathize with everybody's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like moving forward, I think I want to be more, just take that moment, like you're saying, like take the moment, see it, like let yourself feel how it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. But take the moment before yeah. responding. Yes, totally. And that's what mindfulness is, is we begin to become aware of our thoughts. We begin to become aware of, our, of how we react in certain situations. And that moment that we sort of pause and, and can see the thought as something that's separate from ourselves and sort of name it and think like, oh, that's, uh, that's judgment, that's um, anger or whatever it is. We, we start to sort of push the brain's brake pedal. There's like this magic quarter second between um, your impulse to move and when you actually move. And when you can rest in that little space, you come then from a place of being able to respond from love and truth and understanding rather than reacting. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the really important part with mindfulness. It gives you that space to, like you just said, pause and take a beat before you proceed. Mm-hmm. And that's a really important moment because we've all done things where we've just reacted and then afterwards being like oh fuck why did I say that that was a stupid thing to say um but it this just gives you that moment to reflect for a moment and think no I'm not maybe I won't say that because I realize that that's coming out of my judgment my anger my and you we then we begin to know the difference between skillful and unskillful thought and is this going to be kind is this necessary what I need to say or do I just is this my ego wanting to speak because I just want to win you know we sort of I mean, sometimes I like making fun of people because it's fun. <laughs> that too. <laughs> like, I don't know if you saw the... But you're aware of that. The so color. Right. <laughs> like, I do it in full awareness. <laughs> full awareness. <laughs> <laughs> I also just feel like we have to we have to hold on to the moments of humor in, oh in the confusion. Like, yeah. without humor, we have nothing. And that's so true. And, and I, I wrote about that recently, that sometimes even practicing, we can go too far in one direction because we mm-hmm. want to, like, heal and really dive into our emotions and get deep and all of that stuff. And then we lose the other side of it. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, don't forget to play. Don't forget to have joy. And, you know, the reason that we do all these practices and to be mindful is to just be better at life, right. you know? And, and such an important part of that is joy and happiness. And that's, again, just found from being present. So... Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's easy to say because like I'm, you know, just typing behind a screen like <laughs> in my cute little cove in in California where it's like mm-hmm. everything's just perfect over here. And I also feel like maybe there's a part of me that feels guilty mm. for having this experience be my experience. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's part of the reason where I f- why I feel the need to like speak up and empathize with the um seemingly oppressed or you know what I mean but like um I'm also trying to not let my mind be dictated by like some sort of narrative that's being pushed by the media and like that's why I think being on social media is important because you have real people sharing perspectives Mm -hmm. rather than um like having to go search through a bunch of headlines mm. and and try to figure out like what's what's the right thing you know mm. um but i do i do feel like that like there just needs to be like compassion for everybody's point of view yeah um i 
recently was spending some time with some family in Texas and um, they tend towards the more conservative side of the pendulum. And uh, I heard one of them say that they, you know, I don't even know if I want to directly quote, but they made a generalization about all black people, essentially, because there was no counter argument. It was just like a blanket statement that black people are lazy and have no pride, Mm. right? That's not a complete coherent thought. I mean, there might be some people of color who might fit that description, but that's not all, you know? Um, Just like not all white people are racist. Um, So it's just... uh, And I don't even know where I'm going with this, but it's, it's that like... I just want to stop like the blanket statements of like this, these kinds of people are that whether it's, Oh, all liberals are, you know, want to ruin, like get rid of all police and all, um, just the generalizations. I don't think that's getting us anywhere. Mm. Um, and when you take the time to meditate, I feel like you, you kind of, um, step back from story, like mm-hmm. the meditation that I was doing this morning, um, as she was walking me through it, uh, the woman I was listening to, she was like, meditation is the moment where you get to step outside of your story self. Totally. Yeah, you do. And think about like all that we're doing when we get into our, um, defensive positions is we're defending from story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and that's what begins to happen when you start to watch the mind, you start to become aware of the, yeah, the narrative and all of the stories that we create in our mind are oftentimes created from a, a place of pain. They're created from childhood wounding. They're created from these deep beliefs that we, we have and um, we start to yeah, live by them. We live by that story. And eventually we can take a back seat to that and we start to sort of get control back and we see like, oh, I don't have to believe that thought. These thoughts are real. Yes, they're happening, but they're not always true. And that's the big difference for me, real but not true. So being able to come back into your heart space and see like, what's true for me? Who am I when all this noise is gone? Right. Who am I at my core, at my heart center? And, and meet that person there and get to know yourself. And the more and more you return to that place you'll start to show up from that place. Um, it takes practice. It takes time. Um, and it's it's a beautiful practice of coming home to who you really are without the noise in the mind. Mm-hmm. I find that's a hard balance to, to walk, is like to be in the world and a witness to everything going on. And like I, I do empathize with other people. Like it's, I can't help but, you know, empathize with, things that are wrong and happening in our world. Um, but then it's, it's remembering to, okay, return back to yourself. Like Mm -hmm. you can care for other people and you should. Oh, totally. I mean, that's compassion. You know, we, we, we definitely want to care for other people. I think that's a huge part of, of the practice is the more you open up your heart, you see that somebody else, your suffering is my suffering. And that's, you know, we can begin to, we can heal each other in that way. So how did you um, get into meditation? Like what kind of inspired you to... To, to start? Yeah. Um, 
Gosh, I think with a lot of these these tools, sometimes we come to them when we're at like a rock bottom, mm-hmm. right? Um, when there's no way out, we, we need some kind of help. Um, and that was definitely my story where I first came to it. I mean, I, I touched on meditation when I was a teenager it, and it, I was interested, but it didn't fully resonate with me. And it wasn't until um, I was moving out to America and I went on a few retreats, which were fantastic. But then um, I was, I experienced quite an abusive relationship. And after that, I really did hit a huge rock bottom and that I was kind of, you know, this was my, I realized I had to get help. You know, I was like, I can't get myself out of this. Was um, it physically abusive, emotionally abusive? Yep. All of yep. them. <laughs> All of the above. Um, and I did see a, a therapist at the time. Um, however, I, it didn't really seem to help me. And what I've since learned is that sometimes when you go through a trauma, trauma stays logged in your body. Mm-hmm. So when you're going through talk therapy, you're reliving the trauma again and again. You know, every time we speak something, we create a feeling in the body. When we feel that feeling, it creates a thought in the mind, which is sort of staying in that loop. And it, I mean, talk therapy is great. That's not what I'm saying. But for certain situations, it's not always the best thing. And then I I found meditation and mindfulness. And that was a real healing shift for me because I got to really drop into the body and see what the root is, see what... Um, is really going on and really take care of myself. It allowed me to to get my power back, to reclaim my worth and to rewrite my my story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through that training, learning more and more about it, I started seeing um, a therapist that works in somatic experiencing, which is again, when we're, we're feeling these emotions rising, we come home to the body and we start to just work from um, a felt sense experience to really notice, just so we can allow these blocks these emotional blocks that we've been storing to leave us to to move out of the body you know emotional pain can manifest as physical pain it gets stuck it's all energy so it's not to... just what you're eating no. you could you could be eating the best diet totally. um taking all the right vitamins working mm-hmm. out all of that stuff but yeah yeah so it was that's how i i got into it and to be quite honest it it saved my life it changed my life um that was the somatic uh, or the, just a combination of all of it uh the, the meditation first I found mm-hmm. somatic later and then that was sort of the final thing that helped me clear um uh, I realized once I'd started working on this this one uh issue of my life like this relationship and I healed that and I was like yay I'm done <laughs> you know <laughs> that very like uh, kind of like whenever I was like, oh, I fixed the microphone. Yeah. And then we still have to figure out how to make it go through two inputs mm-hmm. instead of just one. <laughs> what you start to realize, um, you know, is that you, as you peel, you start to peel back layers when you're healing a meditation and you sort of, you might heal one aspect and then you find that there's, oh, there's a deeper wound buried underneath that. And then you heal there and, oh, there's a deeper wound. Um, everybody always thinks that like this healing journey is, you know, everybody just sitting around and glowing and white robes and no, it's fucking painful. You know, (laughs) not always there is joy, but, um, they really healing these deep emotional trauma wounds it's it's tough but we do do it layer by layer you know our, our minds are just sort of programmed to remember things in that way I guess so that we're not overwhelmed we 
we lock things away. So as you sort of heal one part, something else pops up. So, And I feel like also too, um, with the way that society has been working with just how fast everything is and we're going to our jobs and, you know, doing responsibilities and we, uh, most people don't have the time to like really do the work. Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean a lot. I don't want to say all, but like a lot of people I know for my, myself, it it would be hard to like go from like creative businesswoman brain to allowing myself to like drop in and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's figure this out. I know it's, it is. Also, I'm super resistant to it. So (laughs) there you go. (laughs) (laughs) The truth's going out now. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, I love to be busy. I mean, that's (laughs) gosh, there's there's so much with that. I think we don't prioritize Mm self-care. We, I mean, society is built in a way that we wear our busyness, like a badge of honor. You know what I mean? Like people, how are you doing? Oh my God, I'm so busy. Like it's a good thing. And no, it's not. It should be a great thing to no, I've done nothing today. I've just sat with myself. Why is that not okay too? Um, I think it's important to prioritize it. And hopefully we're beginning to shift in that way that, to see the importance of taking care of our emotional and mental health. Um, but it, it is difficult. And I, I think there's a sometimes a misconception around meditation that we need to be doing an hour a day or something. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, I always just say, start small, just, yeah. you know, three, start with three breaths. No, see if you can just notice the fullness of three breaths. Yeah. Um, see if you, if you think you can sit for three minutes, maybe try five. Or if you think you can fit for, see for five, maybe do a little bit longer, you know, just, just start small mm-hmm. and just begin with that present moment awareness. And then over time, build up to dealing with the, the more emotional stuff. But, it's, I was talking to somebody about this this morning and it was like, you know, if you don't think you have that much time, you know, that's when you need it the most. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it is resistance and we will find anything to avoid how we're really feeling. Um, there's, there's sometimes a lot of shame around that. There's a fear to be vulnerable and, um, or if you're the type of person who grew up being like the, the, distractor or entertainer of the family mm-hmm. oh that was me <laughs> yeah might explain why we're uh, actresses <laughs> yeah totally oh my gosh it's like I had the biggest need to be seen and I think that's why I chose that perfection for sure yeah and what I really realized over time was that I was looking for all of these people outside to like see me see me pay me attention and then I realized like, wow I don't see me. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest thing. I was like, I need to learn to see myself, to to like myself. I was like, I'm abandoning myself. And that's the thing. Every time we look outwards for someone, something else to complete us, we're abandoning ourselves. Right. And that was a heartbreaking realization for me to come home to. But it was like, oh, yeah, I need to just sit with, with that inner child part of me and, and give her some love. Mm-hmm. Which I think we, I mean, think I think people deal with that even if they aren't actors. Yeah. You know? Oh my gosh, yes. This yeah. is not just actors, but yeah. yeah. Self-love all, isn't... I mean, we're all actors in some way. We're all performing. We all think mm-hmm. that we have a role to play. We, we want to be seen by society in a certain way. And we think if in order to be loved, I have to be this. In order to be successful, I have to do this. And we put so much of our worth and our happiness on external circumstances 
Um, I think a lot of it, bec- it comes from not seeing our, uh, ourselves as one mm, already. Mm. Because once we introduce I or me, then that perpetuates ego. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things that's been miraculous for me um, through my meditation practice is how much my psychic awareness has expanded. Mm. And what I mean by that is just like how much of what is not seen or how much that like we can't both agree and say, oh, there's a refrigerator right there. Like, I don't know if this is making sense, but it's kind of like the same thing. Like when you're on an acid trip and you're like, want to show somebody like what you're seeing. And you're like, and the other person is like, I'm not seeing that <laughs> <laughs> because that's not in my consciousness. Just, just being able to, I guess, get impressions or like downloads of things, uh, visions essentially that are not right in the here and immediate now. Mm. Um, but it just, it just having those visions makes me feel free in a way because mm. it's like, that almost is more a part of me than any sort of like worldly identity that I might throw on myself. Mm. Um, I'm curious to know like what kind of revelations or like what big aha moments have happened for you in your practice, either leading other people or in your own. Like, have you had any cool moments like that? I don't know. Um, Not sort of. Uh, Maybe not like that specifically, (laughs) but... You know, not, not psychic uh, revelations. That's not necessary. That's not really the type of work that I do. I've had a lot of other people that do those things, and um, it's fascinating. Um, again, I'm sure that's a whole other podcast. Uh, yeah, go there with all that quantum, totally. quantum <laughs> physics yeah. and you know, tenth dimensional stuff. But um, for me, it's it was. I guess it's just been a general awakening and a real. Um, letting go of all of those needs, letting go of that need to be seen, letting go of that need to be loved by other somebody else. And I think my biggest revelation, I would say, is just learning to love myself. You know, that has just been the biggest gift that I've gotten from it is really coming home to my sense of self-worth um, because I was lacking that. And then like pretty much all my life, I didn't feel enough. I didn't feel good enough. So being able to finally sit with myself and and sit with my heart and be like, oh, I'm enough exactly as I am in all of my, I am perfectly imperfect, you know, and I would say it's been that. And then like I was saying before, it's peeling back those layers to see how deeply rooted and where all of these things began and where I first learned that story that I wasn't good enough or I wasn't Mm -hmm. worthy of being seen or I wasn't worthy of being loved. You know, the story that I created in my mind, just seeing where that came from and how far back that tracks was just, you know, it's, it's a real awakening. Um, and then it's a kindness um, and I think that's beautiful. We're just, we're shut, we're learning how to be kind to ourselves and to each other. Mm-hmm. And mindfulness as well is something that's very heavily studied by science that we're literally through coming back into the present moment and 
understanding ourselves and having compassion for ourselves and healing ourselves, we're rewiring the brain. You know, we're actually can change the way our brain is firing so that we can move out of our old reactions that you were saying and our normal way of responding to different situations and choose to show up differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that literally changes the world. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> yeah. um, gosh, and I think it was just to tell the same again. You know, the Dalai Lama said that if every child now, like I think every seven-year-old started meditating, we would have eradicated violence in the world in one generation. Whoa. And it's it's, it's kind of crazy to think about it like that because yeah. then you're like, wow. we. <laughs> I think because once you we start just to just come back to that. It, put the guns down. Yeah. <laughs> Once you see, once you love yourself and you see that, like, sort of what you were saying, that you were just love mm-hmm. and that everybody is is love and we can come from that heart space, um, then there, there, there is no separateness. We just, mm-hmm. we, there's no judgment. We don't have to hate in the same way. We can understand that, oh, this is you coming from your place of pain and mm-hmm. there's more room for everybody to be who they are. I, I think that we have a lot of healing to do before we can get yeah. to that point. You know, it's a very idealistic way of thinking perhaps, but it's possible. Yeah. Um, I think we just, there's a willingness mm-hmm. and it gets, it's, it's going to get difficult before it gets any better. You know, there's, we have to do a lot of unpacking of how we've shown up in the world up until this point. And, and to also be gentle with ourselves for how we have shown up in the past. 100%. Because I can be super hard on myself. Yeah. Um, I'm super hard on others. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I can be. Um, even if I don't say it out loud, like there is that part of me that wants to be like, oh, you know, they're stupid or they, blah, 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 whatever that is, you yeah, know, judgmental. Like maybe it's a projection of your expectation of how 100%. they should be. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, uh, the reason that y- I became a yoga teacher and delved more into meditation myself was because I had gotten to a place where I was so, I had such high expectations of myself mm-hmm. that, it literally got to the point where everything was starting to shut down. Mm -hmm. Like, and I didn't want to be alive anymore. Mm -hmm. And, (laughs) and while the world would mirror my pain and my reality that I was creating, it was really my responsibility to recreate it and step out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I couldn't even start to do that until I was willing to forgive myself for being a a crazy monster, (laughs) you know, and have compassion for my, my, myself, I guess. Um, but I am a fiery person and I, that's also the thing too. Like, I don't want to give up my fiery passion. I don't want to give up the part of myself that wants us to be better because nor should you (laughs) like, I want us to be better. I want to be better and I want everybody else to be better. Um, but it's like, it's that thing of like, okay, how, how are you going to be better first? Like, exactly. how are you going to expect other people to be better if you're not better to yourself? Yeah. And it's going back to shifting that inner consciousness to shift the outer. And I, I don't think you have to get rid of that fieriness at all. Please don't. That's, that's who you are. <laughs> it is. But I think it's, you know, we start to maybe over time you, you would let go of 
maybe the judgment of other people and you'll you'll come more from a place of love and it will just naturally just feel different you know your your energy behind it you won't be such a like why doesn't everybody just see it my way it, it will your passion will spring from a different place well and I think my perspective was not only skewed but um small mm. for myself mm. I was like I'm an actress I'm a musician like all of my expectations for the world to show up and validate me mm. as those things mm. to the degree that I thought I should be validated kept me very small. Yeah. Because really I'm like, like we're the whole universe. Mm-hmm. We're the whole universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that, and by doing my yoga teacher training meditation or, uh, yoga teacher training, um, I was able to literally take off the weight, like Mm. literally go to Bali thousands of miles away from this world and remember that I'm, I'm a valid human being without all that. Without that, yes. And I'm here in this place, in the, in these industries to play Mm -hmm. and to contribute, not to prove my worth or to prove to anybody else, Hey, I'm better than you. Totally. I mean, you're worthy just because you are. Just which you know. is crazy. Yeah, and so many people, you know, we we don't know that, myself included, in that, you know. So, um, I know you've struggled with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, what did that look like for you? What kind of things did you feel? Um, or I guess, how did it manifest for you? Because it it looks different to every person. It does, yeah. Um, I think I, I most probably struggled with it a lot throughout my life, but just probably didn't have the awareness. You know, these things are not always taught. There's shame around them. Um, you know, growing up in England, there's such a stiff upper lip mentality and we don't always talk about our feelings and... It wasn't until I was in my practice that I started to understand more about these things. But when depression showed up for me, it was just, it was overwhelming, a real darkness. Um, I felt just a a heaviness in my body, like my, you know, your limbs are just lead. Um, Just hopelessness about the future. Um, A lot of, a lot of feelings of just not being good enough coming up and just... Yeah, I mean, depression, I understand now, is when we're, we're stuck in the past. When we're feeling anxious, it's more something from the... We're worried about the future, and we're stuck there. Um, so depression for me was just, yeah, a real... It was a real heaviness and just a cloud over everything in my life. Um, yeah. Was it brought on by anything specific? Like, was it triggered by anything specific? Or do you think sometimes it can be cumulative? And Yeah, I think sometimes it can build up over time for sure. And I, I'm, I, I, looking back, I know I was definitely depressed once I got out of the, my relationship. But I think that was also mixed in with a lot of PTSD. So it wasn't just the one thing. When it showed up more for me, it was... Um, couple of years ago and again it was a real shock because it was like what I'm a mindfulness teacher why am I depressed you know mm. that real arrogance like I thought I would be over this and no it was a very humbling experience to notice like oh it's it's still here 
but um, now having a different understanding of how to take care of it, it wasn't as debilitating as it had been in the past. Um, And I think being able to be mindful of the fact, as we understand our thoughts and emotions, I was able to see, okay, depression is here, not I'm depressed. You know, I wasn't identifying it with like, this is who I am. I am a depressed person. It was very much like, okay, depression is here. It's a part of my life at this moment in time, but I can still show up and carry on as normal. And some days I might need a little bit more love and care. um, But I think reframing it in that way is so powerful. Yes, 100%. I mean, that's how, you know, you you disempower those thoughts then that are going on in your mind that are just like, oh my God, I'm I'm a terrible person. I don't want to be here anymore. I mean, that was my thought process. Mm -hmm. Same. I can't my only way out of that was just to not be here anymore and just, you know, I didn't want to wake up in the mornings. It was those kind of thoughts, which can be really scary. And I think once you start to understand like, no, that's, that's my depression. You can separate yourself from it. Then we start to be able to care for it in a different way. And I did not and do not manage like my depression alone. I have fantastic mentors. I see a therapist when things get bad. Um, but I also have a strong practice now that I can manage it a little bit better. But I would definitely always tell people to reach out and to talk about it. You know, I talk about it because it can make you feel alone because you, you know, depression isn't something that you can see. Mm-hmm. So you can feel very And there's isolated. such a stigma around oh, it. It's like, yeah. shame on you for... yeah. Being where you are emotionally, yeah. you should be able to like, just like you said, like bearing, uh, grin and bear it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that you can sometimes feel very isolated by that invisibility. Um, mm. But you're not alone in it. You know, there are, there's, I think I was reading that 17 million adults in the US uh, will experience at least one depressive episode. And it's estimated that it affects about 15% of the adult population. So there's a lot of people that go through it. And I think that we need to just be a little bit more expressive about it because it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. You know, it's okay to not always be okay. But as we were saying before, we're so defined by this external thing that I have to be this in order to be successful and if I'm going through if I'm struggling with my mental health that means I'm not successful and it's like no we mm-hmm. so many more people than we realize are going through this and and so many people who have lived before us who did amazing things who struggled with mental illness yeah like Van Gogh mm-hmm. chopped off his own ear <laughs> mentally ill but made some of the most groundbreaking art yeah. we've ever seen and it's just been, it's, you know, there's, there's different levels, obviously there's sometimes we have like the chemical imbalance within the brain and sometimes mm-hmm. it can come from our experiences and not being able to handle those emotions. And it's can be passed down as well in the family. You know, if your parents have suffered from depression, you may well be likely to do it as well, um, to go through it, sorry, as well. And it's, I found through my practice, it was, I was able to really connect and strengthen that connection to myself, which has really helped me to handle it as it shows up in different ways in my life. 
can we talk about some of the thoughts that come up when mm. when depression hits? Mm. Because um, I feel like that when I let those thoughts come in and I start to entertain them, then that's mm. when my energy levels start to dwindle. And I'm like, yeah. and I don't <laughs> like, I want to be careful about how we're um, moving through this conversation, but I think it is important to at least acknowledge um, because maybe for someone who's never delved into meditation or mm-hmm. mindfulness, um, who might be listening to this podcast and might be looking for some help, um, I've found that with managing my depression, a lot of it is just changing my perspective. So it's like a thought comes in and it's daunting and, um, makes me want to end everything. And then it's like, okay, well, how quickly can I change my perspective on this and change my mind about this where that doesn't have power over me anymore and doesn't make me want to kill and end it all, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like what are some thoughts that well, drag I, you down? Gosh, the, the dark thoughts, you mean? Yeah. I mean, same. Let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> it it can be definitely triggered, and and this has been a tip, a tip, a difficult time, you know, with all the COVID stuff and mm. living alone and being alone and and fear of what's going to happen financially with work in the future. It's and you know it's a we there's so much grieving that's involved in this process because so much of our future is uncertain. We can't look forward to things at the moment because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Things are opening, they're closing, and this has been a difficult time for me for sure and things have come up so thoughts would be you know like um i'm not good enough i'm gonna be alone forever um i'm not nobody loves me nobody supports me you know those sort of thoughts um which aren't true they're not they're not and it's 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 old stories and it's old programming but yes we can we too sometimes get buried under the weight of them and it can be a real sometimes like feels like moving through cement to to get to the other side and it's I think that anybody that has a practice you know it's it's when you're walking this journey it's it's referred to as the path of the spiritual warrior because it's (laughs) it's it takes a lot of strength and resilience to pull yourself up out of those places to see the thoughts and say okay, that's my thought, that's my depression, that thought is real, but it's not true. And consciously telling yourself, giving yourself some compassion, like, I am worthy, I am enough, I am loved. And starting to rewire your brain in that way. You know, we know that neurons that fire together wire together, so we'll feel a feeling mm-hmm. in the body and a thought goes on top of it that like we might feel this just sadness and uh, arising inside us and our mind tells us like oh you're just you're alone you're not good enough and that starts to be how our brain is wired Mm -hmm. but over time if we can feel that feeling and come home to our hearts and say it's okay I'm here you're safe I love you giving yourself that compassion you start to rewire that brain so that when you feel that feeling your natural response over time will be to meet that feeling with love and kindness but it is practice and as I said I've been a practitioner for over a decade and I still have those moments when I'll be on my floor and just like I can't and that's when I just come back to the simplicity of things you know there's a practice short times many times so we were saying just just focus on your breath 
just listen to the sounds around you, whatever can bring you back into the present moment. Because it's not always recommended to dive straight into the healing and the emotions. We have a window of tolerance that we want to make sure we stay in between. Otherwise, we're going to disassociate and dysregulate from ourselves, and we don't ever want to do that. But we can traumatize ourselves more. We want to stay with what we can handle in our, as I said, our window of tolerance. And if we start to go outside of that, that's when... um, we can get a bit de- more depressed or anxious and overwhelmed by what's going on in life. So we just always want to make sure we're taking care of ourselves in the right way. So for me, when those thoughts arise, which to be honest, they do, something like that will pop up almost yeah. every day, you know. Yeah. Oh, I'm not good enough. And I will consciously tell myself, you are worthy. Um, but it's it's finding out for me, and it took time, what it is that I need I need to hear. What does my wounding need? If it could talk to me, what would it want me? What does it need to hear? What would it say? And then being able to give that to myself. Not everybody may struggle with those same things. People might need to hear, like, you're safe, or you're loved, or you're not alone, or just, um, I hear you, you know? So it's it's finding out, for me, what's the thing that can counteract what the thought that's going on in my mind and I can what are the words that I can use to reconnect to my heart space and so for for me one of the big uh (laughs) my dog's tap dancing across the floor (laughs) um one of the big thoughts that comes up for me um sometimes is like what's the point Mm -hmm. right what's the point of all this why stick around like why Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. blah blah yeah um and one of the things that, um, or I guess like the main, the main point is, is to learn to love ourselves. Like that actually, like we are our own saviors. Like mm-hmm. we can be our own saviors and 100%. we can, th- that's literally part of what we're here to learn how to do mm. is to come back to ourselves, is to remember like, holy shit, like love made us. Mm how many things had to go right for us to exist? Oh, yeah, it's a miracle that each one of us is here. Yeah. Yeah. Even though a lot of the times it doesn't feel like that. We're <laughs> <laughs> like, what kind of curse is this? Mm. Um, yeah, so, but for a long time I wasn't in that place. Oh, a long yeah, time I was yeah. like, what's the point? Yeah. And there, But there would be no dialogue. It would just be me sitting in that place of what's the point? Mm-hmm. Sadness, darkness, nothingness, heaviness. Yeah. Emptiness. Emptiness. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know that place well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. And also hearing other people's struggles with depression or with just... Um, I guess mental illness, if we want to call it that, um, just knowing that other people are going through the same thing is it brings me a lot of peace because it makes me feel like okay, I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one 100%. struggling with this. I, yes, because I I think that is a thing. You think you're going crazy. Yeah, and you're not. And I found that I had a lot of shame around being depressed, and mm-hmm. I would be very fake when I would show up, um, I'd like hang out with friends or whatever and they'd be like, oh, how are you doing? But like, yeah, I'm great, everything's good. And it's not how I was feeling, I was dying inside. Yeah, I um, did that too. Yeah, <laughs> and then eventually um, 
I was like, you know, I'm going to start to show up from an honest place. If somebody asks me how I'm doing, I would say to them, you know, I'm having a difficult time right now, but I'm very happy to be here. Mm. You know, the two can coexist. Yeah. We can really want to be in the company of our friend, but also be dealing with a difficult situation in our lives. So for me, the more I started to show up, like, you know, and it, things that I'm struggling with this, but I'm, I'm glad I'm with you at this moment in time. And it was, that created a really safe space to open up that dialogue. And people are like, oh, well, you know, what's going on? Because I didn't want to also be like, oh, everything's so terrible and I'm just in this dark place. It's like, I, I didn't necessarily feel that way. I felt... You don't want to like bring the party, party down yeah, either. Yeah, but right? I was like, I was, I was genuinely happy to be in the company of my friends. but And I wanted to talk to them about what was going on. And I found that the more I started to share like this has been showing up for me in my life. This is what's going on. This is how I'm feeling, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm going through depression. People would be like, oh, yeah, I've, I've had that. And, and it, was, it was amazing. It was, there were these beautiful moments of connection through this shared pain and this shared darkness. And it made me a little bit sad as well because like, gosh, there are so many people that I know that have been through this, but we've never spoken about it. We've missed all these opportunities because we thought that there's something wrong with us, that we've yeah. been feeling this way and that we need to hide it. Um, that we can Or that opening up might place a burden on someone else, yeah. which makes you make feel even less, lo- less lovable. If we show up mm-hmm. that we've got, there's something wrong with me, but no, there's, there's not anything wrong with you. This is just a part of who you are and it doesn't, define you it's just something that you're experiencing at this moment in time as I said like depression is here it's just it's it's a it's energy and it's, it's, it's it will pass yeah um but it doesn't have to define us in the same way and I I hope that we can begin to open up the conversation around it more and make it that it is you know <gasps> Lola just burped so loud. I hope I didn't. Um, (laughs) Sorry, guys, if you heard that. (laughs) I hope we can, um, you know, break down the stigma that's around it and just and know that it's it's safe to talk about that in the same way that we would say like, oh, I've I broke my arm. It's we need to be able to care for ourselves in the Mm. same way that we would a physical wound. And so often because it isn't something that we can see, we think we should just push it away. But if you broke your arm, you wouldn't just carry on with life as normal. You would do the things that you need to do to take care of it. So if you are going through um, a place where your mental health is not um, where it normally is, it's important that we take care of that in the exact same way that we would if it was something on our body. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from talking about it it comes from letting go of the shame and finding out different practices and and different tools that you need that can help you get through it for me it's meditation and and therapy specifically for me somatic experiencing because I have um a lot of trauma that I'm I'm working through so that's that's not going to be for everybody yeah what is somatic what is the philosophy behind so somatic is is coming into sort of the senses it's you know when as as you're talking through that in therapy maybe as you're um if you're talking about a difficult moment we'll pause to notice what's going on in the body and to come to the experience of okay I feel I'm feeling hot my chest is tightening and to really getting to understand how these emotions are manifesting in your body and really what's happening and then being able to sort of 
talk through them and calm down in that way. Okay, so you talk through them rather than trying to, like, resist the feeling? Yeah, yeah we don't ever... I mean, that's what mindfulness practices as well. We don't want to resist. It's, it's an openness. It's allowing. It's accepting. And when we're not resisting anything, in the absence of resistance, we find acceptance. And then through acceptance, we find freedom. It's, it's being able to just say, like, okay, it's here. And letting it take its course through your life rather than just like, oh, I don't want to feel this way. Let me push it down because as we all know, what we resist persists. So finding that strength and resilience to be able to sit with whatever is arising in your life and allow it to be here and then finding the tools that you need to meet that feeling with love and kindness and a bit of peace so that Mm -hmm. you can bring balance and freedom back. And ultimately, it's finding that freedom to be who you are exactly as you are moment to moment be it there is no good or bad it just be you you know that's why it's kind of, I've never liked the um the like slogan the like resist slogan mm. that takes place in our political conversation because I don't think it's productive I mean mm. I, I know where it comes from I understand where it comes from but I like you said what you resist persists yeah I, I mean, I don't like the whole good vibes only thing either because I'm like, yeah. no, no, no. It's, for me, <laughs> uh, it's all vibes, you know, and they're bad, if you could quote unquote. Emotions are just as important, you know. It's not just about focusing on positivity. It's holding space and being able to embrace the more difficult emotions mm-hmm. in a loving, kind and curious way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> This is a lifelong thing, huh? Yeah, it is. It's it's a journey. So excited. And <laughs> I know, and that's something like, as I said, they're, they're those. I get those kind of reminders throughout my life where I arrogantly am like, oh, I'm, I'm healed. Mm-hmm. And no, and it's just you reach different layers and you definitely, I find where I have moments where I'm like, you heal one aspect and things are good. And then... You give space for, as you peel back that layer of the onion, something, the next one appears. Um, and it, it's, it is a, it's a lifelong practice, which to me is, yeah, as you said, that it can be a little bit like, oh, God. But there's also, <laughs> there's freedom I also just that. said that for comedic effect, you it, know. It worked. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I also found that, and I, I mean, I felt the same way. I was like, oh, my God, I have to do this forever. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you do want to whine, like, God, aren't we there yet? But where's there? And right. It, and, and isn't that the journey, though? Yeah. Right? That is the point. And, it's, and there's, there's freedom in that because you're like, there is no goal to get to. There is no end point. It's just consistent practice and Mm. it's a practice yeah and it doesn't matter if one day you sit for two hours and the next day you sit for two minutes show up be willing to show up and be willing to meet yourself exactly as you are and yeah once I that yeah that there is that freedom to just know oh I'm going to be doing this forever so I can kind of so I don't have to rush it yeah I can kind of take a, a a a back seat and I can relax and this is just this is just going to flow how it's going to flow there is no once I do x y and z then I'll be um enlightened mm-hmm. no it's it's just it's constant and um it also like takes the pressure of like yes needing to find 
lasting happiness. Yeah. You know, like how yeah. we create that story in society where mm-hmm. it's like, get the car, go to college, get the husband, have the kids, and then you'll be happy forever. I mean, like, no. <laughs> no. And no? studies have shown all of those things only account for 10% of your happiness anyway. Wow. That all of those external things, 10%. It's, it's not much. Mm-hmm. And 40% of your happiness comes from um, determined action, comes from these practices that we can do, which is a huge chunk. So that, again, is empowering to know that, oh, I, I have control for myself of my ability to be happy in the world, not what car I drive, not how much is in my bank account, none mm-hmm. of those things. So, And then when you, if you do that long enough without all those things, once you get those things, it'll be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Not to say they don't make you happy. No. I mean, sure they do, but it doesn't last. It's like a blip. The way yeah. they've measured it, it's like, it increases your happiness for a little bit, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with money, I mean, I think they measured happiness up to a certain point. I think it was 75,000. Yes, your happiness level increases, but once you hit that point, that's it's a kind of the same. It's kind of the same level of happiness. Interesting. Yeah. So all these goals that we think that I'll be happy when, you know, I used to live by that mentality for the longest time. Oh, when I have that, I'll be happy. When this happens, I'll be happy. But we're not living in the present moment. And then over time, we start to see, like, how can I show up in this world? being happy just by being and that's comes from that depth of healing in my opinion and not coming from a place of wanting to resist pain no because I was in that place for a really long time yeah just not wanting to feel and that's what suffering is um, yeah I think it was Shinzen Young was saying that um pain times resistance equals suffering mm-hmm. and and that's what it is like we don't have to suffering is optional you know, we can feel a pain and we can acknowledge like, okay, that's here. And we can sit with it and it might be difficult, but we don't have to suffer, you know, with that, like you were saying before, the story of I'm not good enough. I just don't want to be here anymore. All those suffering thoughts. Can we find a way to just be with that difficulty and know like, okay, that's arising. That's a wound from childhood that's being triggered. I'm going to meet it with compassion. And then that's how we find that freedom. I think for me with mindfulness, there's through this, Mindfulness brings us awareness and it gives us insight. And through that insight, we start to understand who and who we are, why we do what we do. And through that understanding, we can give ourselves compassion. We get rid of that judgment and forgiveness, as you were saying before, when we can understand why we've done what we've done, we forgive ourselves for it. And then from having that compassion, ultimately that leads to freedom. Mm -hmm. And that is, to me, freedom is just acceptance of who you really are and knowing that you're enough it's um knowing that you're worthy and knowing that you are okay exactly as you are i think once we let go of that mental story that chatter in the mind and we come home to the heart we come back to that loving presence that's resting there underneath all of the noise and that loving presence that you meet in your stillness is you mm-hmm. that is the real not truth. the gender not the sexuality not no. the skin color not the religion not the all the external things it's love yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's a fantastic place to end <laughs> this podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm, I'm going to have you on again Thank at you. some point. Thank you. Yes, I would love to come back. And um, if you want to plug where people can find you on social media, um, if yes. they would like to reach out and do a one-on-one session with you, you're doing Zoom one-on-ones mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at just Kerry, spelled C-E-R-I, mm-hmm. Welsh spelling, underscore Bethan, B-E-T-H-A-N. So please do reach out and connect. And you teach here in Malibu at the Mindry. Uh-huh. And I also teach at the Den Meditation in Studio City. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Love you. Love you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. <laughs> All right. Hey, bays! If you enjoyed this episode of the Balanced Bay podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Not only will you be notified every time a new episode drops, but it also helps us to engage new listeners. Like, rate, and review on your favorite listening platform. And follow us at Balanced Bay Podcast on Instagram. This has been a Wolf and Die production.